You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. How is everyone? Good? You're well? Had your second coffee this morning? I know I always ask that. Uh, Who's had their second coffee? The double batch? No one this morning. Too busy stockpiling your toilet paper, rolls, making sure your collection is there, ready. (laughs) We'll see in years to come, like mint condition, Kleenex, vintage, circa 2020. going for, you know, a couple hundred dollars or something ridiculous. But uh, who's had a good week? I hope you haven't been too caught up in the craziness of the toilet paper scandal. Um, But it's been good. It's good to be here. It's good to see you. You look well. And um, it's just, I just feel like you always look good. You always look good. Just a good looking bunch of people. And um, who's been enjoying the James 10-week journey? How good has it been? Who was at church camp? I want to see some hands. Man, how, yeah, how good was church camp? I don't know about you. I just felt, I mean, we've got three little kids, so I like felt exhausted. That's just natural. But I felt uh, just, just full. I just felt full because doing life and relationship with people uh, that isn't just a Sunday, just having extra long conversations, just spending extra long time with people, just being around people that are part of our community, part of our family. There's just something that that fills us up on the inside when we're plugged in and committed to community. And uh, I just feel full. I was exhausted, like I said, exhausted, but full. Audrey was so excited for church camp uh, that since the last one, she was like, when's, like, just for a whole year, she's like, when's church camp? And then when we got there, she was like a bit dark, so she was freaked out. And she's like, I want to go home. (laughs) So you wanted to come for a whole year. But it was incredible, you know, you got to see people's uh, morning face, like their breakfast face, and kind of like just walking out of like, you know, if they had toddlers in the bunkhouse, it's just like, oh, I need coffee, I need breakfast, and then people's lunch face, they're a bit more excited, and then if you got young kids, people's uh, dinner face was like back to like, oh, I'm ready to, ready to go to bed, and um, no. But uh, excuse me, but uh, it was an incredible time, and we, uh, we had our service on the riverbank, uh, like, it just felt like like Bible times. You are on the riverbank, on the grass and the shade and some simple worship that just felt raw and authentic and people getting baptized. And, and Pastor Darren uh, preached uh, an incredible uh, message in our journey through James on the power of the tongue. And I believe Pastor Keith at Northwest preached an absolute cracker uh, of a message. So make sure to get the podcast um, absolute crack room. It's so good to have Pastor Keith and Janet back. Yeah, let's give them a hand. It's just, it feels like when you guys came back in the church office during the week, just felt like, I don't know, oh, mom and dad's back. The mom and dad of the house is back. You know, kind of when you're a teenager and you've got the house for like a couple of days because mom and dad's away and they come back and like, oh, everything's normal. Everything's cool. Mom and dad's back in the house. And uh, just feels like that with you guys back. We love you so much and we're blessed to have you here with us this morning. So make sure you get the message on the podcast. Who was at Northwest last week? How, how was the sleep-in? Was it good? Was it a good little sleep-in? 
Don't get too used to that. Don't get too used to that. Uh, church camp was incredible. Uh, I just want to kind of highlight uh, V groups for a moment. Who's in? Who's currently in a V group? How? Oh wow, that's a huge amount of people. V groups, uh, and it's not—they're not about cars. It's not about you know V six, twelve, uh, whatever. Uh, it's victory groups, right? Just in case you're wondering if there's any visitors, welcome. Just in case you're wondering what V stands for, victory groups. Um, it's kind of like church camp miniature throughout the whole year. It's where community happens. It's where food happens, friendship happens, and it's where we get to discuss and outwork questions that we have about what we've been talking about on Sundays. Things in James that we're kind of like, I'm not too sure about that. This is where V groups, we get to figure it out together. We get to figure it out as friends and there's no silly questions. I mean, over a nice bit of slice and a coffee. Who doesn't love to talk about the word and just hang out? So I just want to encourage you, if you're not in a V group, uh, get in a V group. It's awesome. Go see Pastor Mel. She'll organize and find a V group for you. And if you're like, that sounds awesome. I want to run one. I want to host one in my home. Also come see Pastor Mel and uh, she'll make that happen because Sundays are awesome. Sundays are great. And it's a great starting point to community. But I tell you what, church isn't just an event on a Sunday. Church is a community of people gathering all through the week, meeting in people's homes, having coffees. It's relationship. And uh, we just see people thrive, or I know I thrive, uh, when I'm connected around other people. Who's ready for the Word this morning? Who's got their notepads or their notes in their iPhone out? Um, It's good to take notes, you know, because you can come to V Group with all your questions and concerns, and you can just load it onto your V Group leader and freak them out. (laughs) So we are in James 3. At the end of James 3, so last week we had the taming your tongue part, which is like, ooh, you know. And uh, we're at James 13 through to verse 18. And uh, just a quick recap, and I know we probably get a recap every single week, but it's just good to kind of get us in the mode of the context, who is writing this letter, and who the letter is written to, so we can appropriately understand how we can respond to Scripture in this moment in its proper context. So we see that James, uh, he's the brother of Jesus, and he didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, but then did at some point. And so he's like, yeah, I'm for Jesus now. I'm following Jesus. And he's with a whole group, a community of uh, Jewish people that have left Judaism, and they're now also believers. A whole new crew. You could imagine it's just this kind of crew that they're the whole new thing for them. They don't have too much precedent or understanding of what this whole thing is about. They don't have the entire New Testament laid out for them. And you can imagine that there's a whole bunch of cultures and ways of living and habits and thought patterns that they had worked out most of their life. And now they've formed this new community outworking the kingdom of God, following Jesus and his message and his teachings. And they're kind of probably wondering, what are we doing? What do, are we meant to do? And James is, is kind of addressing a lot of the practical aspects of what it looks like to outwork our practical Christian life in following Jesus. And I kind of think of James as more of a, uh, I think of him as boot camp James. Like he's kind of, uh, he's, like, he's more of a drill sergeant when we walk through. You know, if Paul is the philosopher 
philosopher Paul, uh, James is just like our drill sergeant, boot camp James, and we're kind of all on the beach, and he's telling us to get down and give us 10. James is kind of uncomfortable sometimes, but it's working our like spiritual muscles. It's making us mature, and it's not the kind of muscles that are just for show and bulky and stuff. It's the, it's the good kind of practical, functional strength. Like he's getting, you know, Will knows what I'm talking about. Functional, right? Is that, is that the right terms? Will is like core, what is it? CrossFit, CrossFit champion in the making. I'm telling you, CrossFit champion in the making. But James, he's working our core, our functional strength. Jared, I didn't forget about you. Jared knows all about functional strength as well. If you need a workout plan, go see these guys. These guys are absolute beasts. And we're on the beach and James has given us a workout. And so we're here in this moment where James is talking about wisdom. So let's read through it. Uh, if you've got your Bible with you, it's uh, James three thirteen through to 18, and it's on the big Bible on the screen. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, deeds done, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and James is on a roll here, demonic. For where you have every, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. How good is that? I mean, James isn't afraid to kind of to pull a punch. Like he's kind of our sparring partner. He's not afraid to get in our face. And he definitely does in this moment. And I love that he begins to, he kind of, he kind of calls out the wise. Who is wise and understanding among you? He calls them out, and he's talking about practically in the context here the, the teachers that are part of this community. He's calling them out. They would have understand that the community would have known who he was talking about because they know who the teachers are, and the teachers know that they are the teachers. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? And their ears would have pricked up. They've got, James has got their attention. Yeah, we're we're pretty wise. Yeah, we're the wise, we're the teachers, we're the wise teachers. And all the people are like, yeah, they're the wise teachers. And uh, they probably think James is about to give me a compliment. But no, he says, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. He just kind of slams them with the alternative kingdom version of what wisdom is. Here they are thinking that it's all about their knowledge and their skill and their understanding of Scripture and philosophy. But James goes right ahead and flips the script, true Jesus style. Like Jesus is, you know, you've heard it said, but I now say. And James goes, no, show it by your good works, by the deeds uh, by your deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And my message this morning is titled, I think it's up here, All Talk, No Game. All Talk, No Game. All Talk, No Game. I mean, we all know, or we might be, the kind of person that might be a lot of talk, there might be a lot of ideas, all talk, but when it comes to, to the thing, there's no game. And I, especially with fitness, I know a lot about fitness, Will. 
I, uh, and Jared, I, be, I used to do the gym. <laughs> I used to. The other week at our young adult gathering, I have a, um, a pull-up bar in our um, garage. Don't use it. I mean, I intend to one day. And I said to the guys, because I know Seb's been working out too, shout out to Seb, all the strong men in the house. These are competitors for the men's night. Uh, I said to a bunch of the guys, hey, let's go see how many pull-ups we can do. And I thought, I might have at least five, you know, like... I've done these before. I know how to use other machines at the gym. I used to do this like 10 years ago. Now I just run and I have like no upper body strength. I go to the physio and he's like, yeah, your back's sore because you have no muscles. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and he's got me like on the bed, just like put my arms like this to get some back strength. I'm like, what about like weights? He's like, no, no, too heavy for you. I'm like, jeez. And we went into the shed. And the guys are like pusting out like a bunch. And I'm like, all right, okay, I've got to, you know, kind of got to have a little bit of something. And I play myself down. I probably can only do three. I couldn't do two. I was like, ugh, like I was struggling just to like hang on that bar. But we all know people and we've all experienced people uh, in our world that have a lot of talk, that have a lot of ideas and opinions. But when it comes to the practical outworking of these things, they don't have much to show. We all know uh, a boss, CEO, teacher, lecturer, tutor, uh, best friend maybe. You know, your best friends just rub you the wrong way sometimes because you're close. It might be a spouse. It might be, it might be someone in your life that, that you know just always is talking about stuff, but they've got no game. And uh, unfortunately, I, in the fitness department, am kind of like this, but before I got married, like 10 years ago when I was still like 18, 19, this was me. I was this kind of guy. I was, I was a lot of ideas, a lot of opinions, passionate about my opinions and about my ideas because uh, I was passionate about the Word of God. I was passionate about church and I was, I was learning a whole lot of things. I was reading, listening to podcasts. And I, I'm kind of like a, an external, I um, process externally. So, like, I've got unformed ideas always flying out of my mouth. Just ask my wife. She's like, she's figured it out now, haven't you, babe? Yeah, that's all right. I'm not too bad. I've gotten better, right? <laughs> but if you're in front of me, you've probably experienced me kind of going on a weird tangent or something like that. But unformed ideas love to flow out of my mouth. And I just, I, I kind of, it's my way of figuring out with my own mind. So if you're in front of me, you're more of just a sounding board. You just, I just need to hear what's coming out of my mind so I can figure out what I'm actually thinking. And I used to live with my best friends and uh, before we got married, and we were both very similar. And we would debate as in, like, it would never be personal, but we loved a good stash when it comes to ideas and thoughts and scripture and philosophy. And we would debate and debate passionately. Like, I kind of think that our landlords might have thought, or their neighbors thought we were having some weird, like, best friend domestic. But we would passionately and fiercely debate these ideas. We would go to bed at night, and our bedrooms were really close. Our doors would be open. We'd be laying in bed at, like, 12 o'clock at night, like, still talking about our ideas. And, and like, it would... It's the way we sharpened each other. Like, it was really good. Uh, and then he would fall asleep and wouldn't respond to the things that I was saying. And I'd be like, all right, I should go to sleep. But the problem was, I brought this into my marriage. I thought, oh, Jess is a great, yeah, she's a new sparring partner. She's going to be just like my best friend. And she's going to, I'm going to bounce all these ideas. And I remember one night, particularly in our new house, and I was like following Jess. And it's usually at nighttime I start thinking about all these things. 
and I'm following Jess around the house, just like passionately talking about all this stuff and all these ideas are coming out. And my passion is like kind of angry passion. I don't know why it just is. And, and after about 20 minutes, she starts bursting into tears. She's like, absolutely, what's wrong with you? Are you angry at me? Why are you so angry? Why, are you, why am I in trouble? Oh, you're not the man I thought you were. I didn't experience this before. I want to go home and live with my parents again. I'm like, oh my goodness. It took me about five years to realize that it was my problem, uh, not Jess's. But for a lot of my life, and I mean, we've all been there and we will all probably might be there at the moment, or we probably will be one day. Stages in our life, we are all talk and less game. And James is kind of calling out people right now. He's calling out the wise teachers. And in our minds, we're probably thinking of all those people to see our boss, the people around us that are all talk, no game. But I'd like to propose to you this morning that we are all implicated, every single one of us. Because when it comes to this community in this context, they would esteem the leaders and the teachers of their day. Our current culture and context, we, we don't esteem the leaders, authority, the experts as much as we probably should. We rather think that our own opinion about certain topics and certain ideas is the authority and the most elite and the wisest decision of all. I'd like to th- proposed to us this morning in our, because we're in such an, a hyper-individualistic culture that you might not think of yourself as a teacher, but we are actually kind of teachers. We are wise a lot of the time in our own eyes. My opinion. My opinion matters most. And there's this cultural idea that is perpetuating this individualistic idea that we are our own ultimate authority and our ideas and our opinions and our thoughts are the most reliable. And we see ourselves as the wise. So I'd like to think that we are all on the beach this morning in James Boot Camp. Every single one of us. Let's, let's not think that so-and-so, need, you know, you might be thinking, oh, this person needs to get this podcast for sure. They need to hear this message and let the Lord work in their life. Uh, but every single one of us see ourselves as a bit too wise than we ought to sometimes. So let's go on the journey through this together. He calls out the wise, every single one of us this morning. And he says, show me your wisdom by your good life. Show me your wisdom by your good works. Not your ideas and your opinions, but by your good life and your good works. Show me. Don't talk about it. Outwork it. Because the outworking of our faith is practical action. We shouldn't be afraid that this is some kind of religious thing. No, I love this quote that says, grace isn't opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And when it comes to this thing called wisdom, why do we need wisdom? Before we move through this passage, why do we need wisdom? What's the point of wisdom? And I love this moment in Proverbs, and I didn't put it on the screen because it's a long one, and it would have taken too long to put on the slides, I'm sorry. But this moment in Proverbs describes what wisdom is and why we need to operate in wisdom. Before we get into the depths of James kind of pointing out true wisdom and false wisdom, it says in Proverbs, it says, Does not wisdom call out? 
Does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance. She cries aloud to you, O people. I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place. And we marked out the horizons on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the mountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, when I was constantly at his side, I was filled with delight after day after day, delighting in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. This is what wisdom is. It's a different kind of wisdom. Wisdom is actually described as kind of God's architect when the world was formed. And wisdom brings order. Wisdom, as we can see here, is an attribute of God that brings life, that brings flourishment, that brings blessing, that brings all the good things that God has in store into our life because of this attribute of God called wisdom. And this is why it is so important, as we're about to find out. See, James's concern here is a pattern of life that routinely and habitually manifests good works. And simply what he's saying here is that a wise person is one who creates godly, loving peace in his community. And as we move through the scripture, he says, but if you harbor bitter envy, I think we got up on the screen, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now, you might think, what does this even mean? What is bitter envy? Another uh, translation for this bitter envy is also bitter zeal. A fervent passion, which uh, described a lot of the teachers of the law that would go about outworking their opinions and their ideas with this kind of angry fervor and commitment. This zeal, which was passionate and angry, no matter what the cost, they were seen as we are committed to this cause and we are committed to these ideas. No matter if we trample over people or whether we cut people down, it's about my ideas. And it says it is flanked and surrounded and couched in selfish ambition in our hearts. It says, do not boast about it. What do you mean? Why would we boast about it? Because this kind of opinion carrying that shoots down others no matter what the cost, this zeal about whatever it is we think we are wise about, tends to be couched in ego and hubris, which is almost boasted about. And in so doing, we deny the truth of the kingdom of God and what wisdom really is. We're blinded by the idea that that wisdom is about our feverish commitment to ideas and opinions, but it's not. It says, but if you harbor bitter envy or bitter zeal, just like I was probably having some bitter zeal with my wife. <laughs> that sounds weird. I was probably like in this passion, these rants of these ideas and things that I was talking about, I probably had some moments of bitter zeal in there. And my wife has taught me, to, she's taught me grace. You taught me grace, babe. I remember when I was young, I, uh, it was about, I was 
same time, probably before I was married, I had this conversation after youth, we'd all go to McDonald's, eating our cheeseburgers, join our cheeseburgers. It's not wise to have cheeseburgers, is it, Simon? It's not wise. But it tastes good. Good for the soul. <laughs> not good for the body. And uh, I got into a discussion uh, with this girl that I didn't know too well. But she had an opposing opinion to what I thought Scripture said. And I was actually correct. Like a lot of the time, the leaders in this culture and in this context, they were probably correct when it came to what Scripture said. But their application and their outworking and the way they practically outworked this in their community was incorrect and nullified the fact that even though their opinion was correct, the way they went about it was incorrect. And I got into a discussion with this girl so fervently, 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 jeez, I'm good with the words this morning, so passionately, I had this bit of zeal, and she ended up crying. I made this girl cry in McDonald's. I'm, I'm ashamed of it. I'm not. But I actually went away thinking, yes, she got the hard-hitting truth. She got, she got like the word of God. Pastor Keith would be proud of me. I just like sledgehammered this girl with the word of God. I'm correct. I'm right. Boom, leave. I'm out of here. Mic drop. You know, cry. But that's what the word of God does. Like, it convicts you and stuff like that, you know. Uh, but upon reflection... That was a horrible thing to do. That wasn't helping anybody. This wasn't producing peace and love in this potential relationship. I mean, she never ended up coming back to church or our church. I think she's going to somewhere else, but she was thinking of coming to our church. Sorry, Pastor Keith. Ruined the moment because of my passion and my zeal. And he continues and he says, such wisdom, I love that it's like inverted commas, such, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and he goes one more, demonic. And he's trying to, what he starts to do in Scripture here, he starts to paint a picture of what fake wisdom is. He's like, this is fake wisdom. You think it's wisdom, but it's false. And he starts to list off that this such wisdom does not come from God. It's earthly. It's plain. It's, it's from Mankind. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.25, it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And in 1 Corinthians 3.19, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it's written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And in 1 Corinthians 8, it says, Now, how, now about food, sacrifice, idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up. I felt puffed up after talking to this girl. I felt I was the man, you know. It says, but love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. How good is that? And then he goes on to discuss the true wisdom. What true wisdom is. So you could imagine these wise teachers in this community. I could, you know, imagine, imagine the letters being read out and uh, that moment where it's like, who are wise, who's wise and understanding among you? And the, the guys up the back are like, yeah, it's me. And then he starts listing off that it's demonic and earthly. And they're like, oh, gee, you know, <laughs> they're like, a bit awkward. And uh, 
he's really going to town, but then he starts to go, no, it's all good. I'm going to show you and teach you what this true wisdom looks like when it's outworked in our life. And true wisdom looks like this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. And we're going to list, we're going to go quickly through them. So the first one is that it is pure. It's not of selfish ambition. It doesn't have selfish motivations attached to it. The world will say in a business place, hey, you need to strategize. You need to kind of uh, cut your boss down to size in the lunchroom with your peers so that you can undermine their authority, so that you can climb the ladder easier and you'll have a, a nice bit of support around you when they push you to the top to become the boss of the organization. And there's books and all kinds of self-help things that go, this, this is strategy and the wisdom of success. This is how you win. But he's saying, no, it's pure. It's pure-hearted. The wisdom that comes from God is pure-hearted. Jesus was correct, but he willingly went to the cross. Pure-hearted, he laid down his life for us. Pure-hearted is laying down our opinions and our ideas that might come to bring division and discord so that we can bring love and order instead. He says it's peace-loving. And this is not just kind of like, oh, they're peaceful, they're nice. No, this is talking about the shalom peace of God. The shalom peace of God. The, the peace that brings wholeness. He's saying true wisdom is someone who, whatever community they're in, whether it's your workplace here, family life, uni life, friendship circles. He says, wisdom is someone who doesn't spout off their knowledge and create division. No, it's someone who brings shalom or brings completeness and wholeness to circumstances and relationships and people's lives. Peace loving is the fruit of this kind of wisdom. It's considerate or gentle. It's not harsh. It doesn't slam the hammer of, you know, the Word of God on someone's head. It's not the sin police going around telling the world that they need to clean up their act and they don't even follow Jesus. It's being gentle. It's bringing truth with a loving heart of gentleness, with care, of love for the person who's in front of you, of love for the community here. James, let's not forget, he's talking in the context of community. He says, let's be gentle with one another. People need to hear some things, but let's be gentle. Let's love them. Submissive or willing to yield? Willing to lay down your opinion for the sake of a relationship or a person in front of you. Willing to lay down, I should have laid down uh, my correct, mind you, opinion with this girl at McDonald's. I should have laid it down so I could really find out how she's doing. And maybe one day we'll get to talk about this in a way that the Holy Spirit will guide with gentleness, with love, with peace that will actually do a work in her life rather than me coming and slamming it on top of her and making her cry. Willing to yield for the sake of others. Uh, in the commentary uh, that we've been reading, it says, The wise teacher, because he or she 
knows mental and moral limit. Uh, sorry, let me start again. Teachers in the Messianic community were hotheads who generated more heat than light, more partisanship than harmony, more debate than conversation. I mean, it's, this sounds relevant to our culture today, right? The wise teacher, because he or she knows mental and moral limitations, nurtures a willingness to listen and change rather than just spout off their opinions and knowledge. This is what our world actually needs at the moment. We are all actually teachers in the world today. We are all actually, as a community of God, an alternative community in the culture of the world that we live in today, we are the example of God to a world around us. We are to show the world what true wisdom is. And like I said before, it's not being the simplest. It's not, it's not coming down hard on people, but it's showing them that, that we bring harmony, wholeness, shalom, peace to every circumstance, wherever we go, our departments, our uh, university lecture rooms, wherever it might be. It says, full of mercy and good fruit. He says, impartial, non-judgmental. that we are sincere and without hypocrisy. That if we are these kind of people, we're going to show the world that this alternative community that James is trying to form within this Jewish community, he's trying to help them leave their previous ways behind and walk in the way Jesus set an example of. He's saying, this is how we're going to show the world. This is how we're going to show the world that we are of a new way of life. He finishes and says that peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And he's not talking about, hey, if you do these things, uh, God will like you and you'll be saved. We've got to remember all these guys are saved. They're kind of like in the club. They're saved. They're following Jesus. And James isn't talking about their works in the sense that, hey, if you do these things, you're going to be a real Christian. No, he's saying from the place of relationship with Jesus, from the place of connection with Him and receiving the gospel that you have heard, this will be the fruit of your life. And this is how we can examine our heart. He's giving us kind of a, a page to go, oh, am I maturing? Am I growing? And he says the result of bringing peace will be We'll reap a harvest of righteousness, and it's the results of wisdom. It is, uh, it is the joy and the peace in community. It is good relationships and the benefits and the things that we receive from loving one another, from being loved, from being able to lean on each other's shoulders. It's like if we care about the people around us more than just our opinions and our thoughts, we're going to receive so much more than we ever thought, so much more than we ever thought. And church camp was a great example. I just loved being with people. And it reminded me so much that we all have our things and we might rub each other the wrong way and we might get annoyed at each other and stuff like that. But when we're hanging out and we're together, when it's in relationship, it's keeping that bond of unity and community and peace that James is talking about. That, hey, we're going to make it through and we're all going to be blessed together when we commit to one another and care for one another and love one another. This is true wisdom James is talking about. You see, just to finish this morning, it says a wise person receives wisdom from God 
this wisdom is from God. Just to recap, it's not from our own doing. It's not from our self-help books. It's not from the gurus. No, it's from God. This is from the Holy Spirit, our teacher, our advocate, our comforter. We receive wisdom from Him. There's true wisdom. So a wise person receives wisdom from God and operates with a pattern of life that routinely and habitually manifests good works. He's saying your fruit is your good works and love towards others and creates godly, loving peace in their community. We need to be, we need to be, I think it was um, John Mark Comer said that we need to be, an, as believers, we should be not a non-anxious presence in our community. We should be a non-anxious presence to our barista. They should be able to look at your life and go, this is something different. You just, you bring peace. You don't bring division. I know you're a believer. I know you love Jesus, but you don't, you're not like coming down on me because I'm swearing, you know? We don't want to be those kind of people that, oh, don't swear in front of me. I'm a, oh, I love Jesus. You can't swear anymore. <laughs> Let's be someone who brings peace and joy to our community. And I'm going to get us to a stand in a moment because when it comes to all this, when we, when we go through James and James is like setting out our workout program, and he's like, hey, and we, we're going through this 10-week journey and, and there's all these things that James is saying we need to take stock of in our heart and we need to do and we need to drop down and give me five and I need to go home and figure all this stuff out and start outworking it in my life. And it can kind of get overwhelming and complicated, but we need to bring tension to Scripture. We need to bring the flip side and it's the fact that any, all this fruit that James is talking about is a result of us in connection with God. So instead of complicating things, let's just connect with God and let the overflow of Him in our lives bear the fruit of our lives. Like we say sometimes from the stage, you don't see a tree trying to like really hard to bear fruit. It's just a result of their life. And maybe today there are a few things here. And as we go through James that you're like, I'm a bit like that person. I'm all talking. I've got no game. Oh, and we all are sometimes. Let's be honest with ourselves. I can be harsh sometimes, you know. You might be sitting here today thinking, I'm, I'm kind of like that a little bit. And it's not that you need to go home and try harder. It's just that we need to reconnect with God. We just need, it's, a, it's an indication that we just need to connect with Him again. And I just want us to all stand up for a moment. Because I just want to provide an opportunity for us, again, just to connect and get filled up with God, to be refreshed so that our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday, Thursday, throughout the whole week, we are this non-anxious presence, that we would operate in wisdom, bringing harmony, completeness, wholeness, peace, love to the community, to this community, to our V groups, to our uh, work communities, to our friendship communities, every single where, place that we go, that we would bring the attribute of God, His wisdom, into these places see God start to work. And as the band starts to gear up so that for us to worship, I just want to read that passage in John 15, where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is 
And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He says, I love this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's all a result of relationship with Him. It's all a result of us being connected to our Father in heaven. So let's just take a moment to worship. Let's just, let's just position ourselves however you need to. You might raise your hands. You might not raise your hands. It doesn't really matter. But let's just close our eyes and take a moment to connect with God. He says, He's already made you clean but remain in me. You're saved. You have freedom. You've received a free gift of salvation that requires no works from you. But he also still says, remain in me. Abide is another translation. Abide in my love and the fruit of your life will just come. So Lord, we just just wait on you right now. Lord, some of us here this morning might not have been remaining in you for a while. We might have felt disconnected. But Lord, we just, we accept the truth that we are connected into your vine. We just, we right now, we reconnect with you, Father. And I pray that you'd fill us up overflow, that your goodness and your glory outworking through our imperfect lives would give glory to you, to all the people around us, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.